Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. Have you ever noticed how a calm mind can really set the stage for a good night's sleep? That's the idea behind our new podcast, Good Sleep. Greg, our host from Optimal Relationships Daily, is here to help ease you into a peaceful night's rest with some positive affirmations. And these affirmations aren't just comforting, they can help ease anxiety and nurture positive thoughts, setting you up for true good sleep. So, press play on good sleep tonight because a good tomorrow starts with a good night's sleep. Just search for good sleep in your podcast app and be sure to pick the one from Optimal Living Daily. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 1847. What are you doing for fun? Yes, really. By Julie Morgenstern of juliemorgenstern.com. And I'm Dr. Neil. Hey there, and welcome to another Sunday bonus episode where I share an article from one of the other podcasts in our network that I think will add some value for you here. Today's post comes from Optimal Relationships Daily, where articles covering all types of relationships are read to you every day. So with that, Let's hear this one from Greg as we optimize your life. What are you doing for fun? Yes, really, by Julie Morgenstern of juliemorgenstern.com. Our hobbies, our passions, and what we do for pure relaxation fuel and restore us physically, emotionally, and psychologically in the most efficient way imaginable. Those restorative activities provide care and nurturance for your soul providing you with the energy you need to get through everything life throws at you. And yet, in our Parent Time survey, a whopping 84.5% of parents said they spend too little time on hobbies and personal relaxation. It's hard to find the time, sure, but the issue of time is ultimately solvable. By taking a creative approach, we can learn to nurture ourselves and cultivate our hobbies in short microbursts. If you love to write, for example, You could spend 20 minutes over lunch or in the evening writing haikus or journaling about your day. Or maybe you're a fitness junkie who is struggling to make it to the gym for an hour, three days per week. But I bet you could find 8 to 10 minutes every day for high-intensity interval training, HIIT exercises, while your kids are napping or doing homework. Adjusting the mechanics of your approach to fun in small, consistent doses is the first step. The other shift we need to make is in our mindset. We need to believe that we deserve time for fun and that it is an essential component of a happy, healthy life. See if any of these three common belief systems interfere with your ability to make more time for fun. Number one, if I'm not taking care of someone or being productive, I don't have value. 
Many people are driven by a rewarding work ethic that leads them to feel irresponsible or that they have no value unless they are working or taking care of someone. That belief system is ingrained in our culture and can be hard to transcend for everyone, but particularly for women who easily fall into caretaker roles. Letting go of this mindset usually requires taking a leap of faith and experiencing the benefits of spending short bursts of time on your own hobbies, passions, and interests. You'll realize that not only did the world not fall apart, but you came back stronger and more ready to give of yourself to others. If doing something for yourself is too big a leap, do it for your family or your job. After all, allowing yourself the chance to be an interesting, well-rounded, and whole human being puts you in the best position to come up with creative solutions and care for others. Number two, taking time for fun is selfish and or not fair to my family. Nearly every client I've ever coached says, Oh, Julie, I would feel so guilty asking for time to do my hobby. Or, my husband will laugh me out of the room if I say I want Sunday afternoons for going off on my own to a museum. I get it. Truly, I do. But you have to find a way to make the case for yourself and for your family, because it's good for everyone. Consider making fun part of the values by which your family lives. Trade time for fun with your spouses, e.g., you'll cover bath time and bedtime on Tuesday nights if your partner takes Wednesdays. Or, if you can swing it, hire a sitter to come once a week for the sole purpose of entertaining the kids while you take the time to pursue your passion. Number three, work first, play second. Adulthood seems defined by this ethic. How does it develop? When kids are really small, all they do is play. Then at some point, adults intervene under the auspices of helping a kid grow up and say, Okay, buddy, you can play, but first you have to do your chores. Or, no playing until you finish your homework. The principle certainly has its merits, but as that message seeps deeper and deeper into your unconscious psyche, it can drive you to be all work and no play, which psychologists agree makes Jack a very dull boy. When there's major play deprivation in an otherwise competent adult, they're not much fun to be around, notes Dr. Stuart Brown, a psychiatrist and founder of the National Institute for Play. If you apply the work-first-play-second principle to your life as a parent, you will nearly guarantee that you have zero time for play. Your work is endless as you check things off your to-do list. More tasks are added all the time. But if you flip the narrative, if you start with play, you'll have more energy for work. When you have fun, time expands. If you need a little extra boost, remember this. What's good for your own mental health is good for your children. It's beneficial and important for your kids to see you pursue fulfillment beyond their existence. It teaches them that it's healthy and normal to have interests and passions beyond the immediate influence of their family. Kids want to know their parents are devoted to their well-being, but they also want their parents to be fulfilled and happy adults. And they're willing to sacrifice an hour or two with you if it means you'll come back to them happy, healthy, and present. You just listened to the post titled, What Are You Doing for Fun? Yes, Really, by Julie Morgenstern of juliemorgenstern.com. A great read from Julie about the value in having fun in our lives, not only for the sake of our psyche, which is obvious, but also for the sake of our kids. Not only do they want to see us happy, as she mentioned, but they need to. Consider the constant lessons our children are learning from us from the get-go. Exemplifying work-life balance and showcasing not only the ability but the after-effects of finding joy 
Well, that sets them to live a life the same way, which of course is what we want for them, I would only assume. <laughs> we are done for the week though, folks. Thank you so much for joining me this Friday. Let me know if you've scheduled some time this weekend for one of your hobbies or a passion project. I'll see you back here on Monday, where your optimal life awaits.